Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunnar-Wardner, and in this episode, I am talking to the one and only Paula Begon from Paula's Choice. Now, if you know anything about skincare, you'll know that Paula's Choice is a kind of no-nonsense, high-performance, gets it done. If you're in a bind and you need a product that actually performs, you go to the paulaschoice.co.uk website, and or wherever you are based. And um, it's pretty powerful, incredible stuff, and her story is amazing about how she came to actually create this whole uh, skincare range. She was dubbed... Um, in fact, she, we talk about all of this on the show, so I'm just going to let that all play out because it was such an interesting chat. It was my Monday morning, actually, this week. Um, so there's been a tight turnaround between podcast interview and podcast going live. So um, I went to see her at her hotel in central London. Um, I've never met Paula before. If you listen to the show regularly, you'll know that many of the guests are my buddies or I know or I've worked with in some way. So there's some kind of connection. But... Paula was kind of a, a cold um, interview in the sense of I went in and I had no idea what she was going to be like. Um, I hoped she was going to be fantastic and excellent. And by Jiminy was she. She was so warm and sweet and generous. And you'll hear in the conversation that what starts off as, you know, me really trying to pick her brains and get some, you know, brilliant info out of her turns into... Um, a real um, exchange. She starts quizzing me about stuff and we end up talking about her business and it's all, I came away from it just thinking, well, in fact, I didn't come away from it. When we, when we pressed stop and I checked that it had saved and checked the audio was fine. We then took a selfie. I very uncoolly said, Paula, I'd very much like to go for a drink and put the world to rights with you if that's all the same to you. And so brilliantly, she didn't miss a beat. She said, oh, yes, but I drink martinis. <laughs> and I think she has them like James Bond. So I now have this future, I'm futuring, hoping that in my near future, hopefully, I get to drink a martini with Paula Begon. I hope you feel the same way about how excellent she is. I thought she was great and had a ball. Now, after I left uh, her hotel on Monday on a real high, I was actually due to meet the wonderful Lindsay Kelk from uh, the Full Coverage podcast. I will put the link into the show notes. If you haven't subscribed or listened to that yet, then I highly recommend it. She was on a bit of a whirlwind tour of the of the UK, of London. She's based over in LA. 
and um, she was fitting a lot into a short period of time and unfortunately we had to squeeze out our meat. We were hoping to record an episode of the show but she had various commitments with her um, publishing house and various bits and bobs so I didn't get to do it so I thought well I could come home and I could do some work and I could um, you know get on with various bits and bobs or I could indulge myself, enjoy the free and freelance and take myself off to Picture House Central and catch uh, the lunchtime sharing of Baby Driver. So, dear listeners, that's exactly what I did. I felt guilty the entire time and I was worried about what I might have missed, but um, I then worked till the small hours of the morning. So, checks and balances, swings and roundabouts. What else can you say about that? Um, also this week, my lovely friend Aisling, uh, who I worked with a couple of years ago, she moved back to Australia, Australia, um, what was it, the beginning of 2016 or something like that, and um, she was back over in London, we had drinks after work, and I've been following an Eve Kalinic, she's a previous podcast guest, a nutritionist, and um, I've been uh, following something of hers for four weeks, it's all come to an end now, which is why I've just had a latte, and um, uh, I, I'm not, I haven't been drinking wine, and uh, she, or really drinking, and um, so I stood outside a bar in Soho, not drinking, but say so I can't stay for long, and I can't drink, so I did that thing, and then I stayed for two hours just not drinking, and so I had a brilliant email from her the next day just saying, cracking work on the not drinking ums, um, so I felt a bit bad about that, but it was lovely to see her, it's always nice when you realise how lovely and connected the world is, she's moved over to Australia, she comes back, it's like, it's like no time passed at all. It was wonderful. Um, this week in beauty, there have been a few developments. You'll have known, uh, I talked about going to the launch of the Real Techniques Powder Bleu brushes. They are specifically and especially designed to work with powders. Um, now, I have to be honest, I am not usually a, pa- a, a pan. I'm not usually a fan of powders. The reason very specifically being thus. I... As a teenager, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I was diagnosed with PCOS and I had all of the accompanying symptoms. So I had facial hair, acne, weight gain, thinning hair, all of the things. But um, in my late teens, I remember after school, I think it was on a Tuesday and Thursday, pretty much once I learned to drive, I would drive from school and go to a beautician's and have electrolysis. And it was remarkably effective at weakening those really spiky black hairs on my top lip and around my sideburn area but what it also did it doesn't just it it weakens is the right word so it doesn't just zap a hair immediately in the way that laser does and actually electrolysis isn't really spoken about really these days because laser has really taken over or IPL or whatever wherever you get it it will have a different name but what it did is some of the hair that was being tackled um became weak and is now there's no pigment so so the hair is very fine and they're blonde so these are called uh, vellus hairs and I wrote a piece for stylist uh, lovely Joe McGarry who has been on the show previously commissioned me to talk about my facial hair and the reason why I'm not a big fan of powder is because even though the dark coarse hair might be minimized by something like electrolysis I still have these fine hairs so if I use powder it doesn't actually go onto my skin, it tends to stick onto these hairs and really flag up the fact that I have perhaps an excess of 
a, you know, a fine, a very fine blondie beard, which isn't fantastic. So I've always really stayed away from powders. I really wanted to love Bare Minerals and I do like Bare Minerals, but I like their cream products. I don't get on so well with the, uh, the you know, tap, twi twirl and buff situation because of those fine hairs. I do use, and I've talked about this before in various places, I use uh, the Lilibeth Brow Shaper, which allows you to just, it's a blade, but it's got a protective front on it, and it allows you to just take those down. So, and when I do that, I can then use something like powders, but the powder blur brushes made me revisit powders again, and I have used that Lilibeth uh, Brow Shaper to just take down that kind of um, fuzz on my cheeks. And actually, Using those brushes, they're so well made and they're so soft. It's made me really appreciate almost the ritual of finishing off my makeup with powder. Yes, they've got a brilliant eye blender brush, which is great for just kind of doing that lovely wash of colour over your eyes. But I've been using um, one of the slightly larger brushes to set my concealer with the It Cosmetics Bye Bye Pores. And then I've just been using the largest of the brushes to just dip in a little bit of pressed powder and just do that setting. And I realized I'd really been missing out on this lovely part of makeup, of just kind of setting it and almost, it's a, I don't know, it's a bit like when you see a chef put together a plate of food and, and then they go and they wipe around the edges and make sure it's just so. So I've really enjoyed using those brushes. So if you love using powder, I think you will absolutely adore the powder blur brushes. The link will be in the show notes. But if you don't, for, for those reasons, if you do have, you do find that powders do stick to those hairs, I highly recommend the Lilibeth Brow Shaper. I will put the link to that in the show notes. And um, it just gives you a slightly smoother canvas upon which to work. And also, um, I, I wrote that feature for stylists that I just talked about. I actually went and had a treatment called dermaplaning, which is where you have to really trust somebody. I went to go and see a chap called Dr. David Jack, and he essentially gets a scalpel and he sort of pairs off the top layers of your skin. It's slightly more aggressive than microdermabrasion in terms of how much skin comes off. So your skin comes out and it does feel quite raw and it's bizarre. But, oh my goodness, does makeup, skincare, everything just look absolutely different and so wonderful. I'm not advocating shaving or taking scalpels to faces, by the way. That is something you have to get done by a professional. But having that treatment, having the dermaplaning done, and again, I'll put the links into Dr. Jack and that treatment, really opened my eyes to how, oh, if I just take off that those Bella's hairs with that Lilibeth brow shaper, which doesn't, which doesn't touch the skin, I am actually making my makeup look better, so... There we go. That's very interesting. Um, I talked last week, I talked most weeks about how I try to make time for yin yoga. I didn't this week, which is why I feel like I need to go and, I don't know, roll around on the ground like a shire horse and just unclick my back and lots of other things. So I am feeling the fact that I didn't take the time to look after myself this week. But I did have a wonderful breakfast with my friend Alex, which was one of those world to rights every topic was on the table and I came, you, you know when you just meet someone you haven't seen for a while, a good friend that you haven't had a proper catch up with and um, you just come away and you're walking on air afterwards. So yes, I didn't do yin, but I made the effort to meet a friend who I hadn't seen for a while and it was awesome. So swings and roundabouts, finally, goodness, I'd had a bit of a splurge on Amazon this week, 
because I was having one of those days where I could feel I was getting a bit anxious and a bit Arr. and I really wanted to go and hit the sales but I went into the sales recently and it was just so stressful but I kind of needed that retail high I'm sorry I won't apologize for it but I just did so um I did what any sane person does when they want to um experience a retail high without actually having to do anything so I went on to Amazon and I bought um Kelly Osborne's book there is no fucking secret colon letters from a badass bitch now if you had said to me a few months ago um you'll want to buy Kelly Osborne's book I would have said really I've not really I don't necessarily dislike her or anything like that but I would never have thought that she'd be somebody that I want to um know more about other than things like fashion police and what have you but she was a guest on RuPaul and Michelle Visage's podcast what's the tea and I was blown away by her I was I found her to be an incredible storyteller I found her to be very measured to be really cool and um she's obviously done a lot of work on herself she talked in that show about going to therapy and her perspective on things really meshed with a few of my beliefs. And so I thought, oh, I do want to read this book. So I splurged on that and now I keep checking, keep checking the tracking because I'm such a cheap ass that I obviously didn't pay for postage and packing. I was like, free delivery. But now I keep checking the tracking to see when it's going to arrive. And then on top of that, um, I have had to have a couple of disco kips recently. I think it might be the hit, the hit, the heat. But just been having really bad... Um, like energy drops in the afternoon like to the point where I could just I feel like I could just sleep for a couple of hours um that's no good to anybody it's especially not good for a freelancer uh, a self-employed person so I um if you listen to this podcast you'll know that I listen to Tim Ferriss's show the Tim Ferriss show uh and one of his advertisers so it's kind of been you know pummeled into my brain is uh this four sigmatic mushroom coffee um, which he says, you know, tastes as good as coffee, but it's great for making you alert, contains um, less than half the amount of caffeine. I think it's 40 milligrams as opposed to 80 milligrams of caffeine. And my very wonderful beauty colleague, Alice Hart Davis, um, who I've seen a couple of times recently, um, has said that I think she had heard about Tim Ferriss, but then she'd heard me talk about him. So she started listening to his show. And she sent me, uh, she sent me an Instagram saying, I've just bought this coffee a few weeks ago. And I thought, ah, maybe I should try this. So on its way, winging its way to me currently are some Four Sigmatic Mushroom Coffee with Lion's Mane and Chaga Mushrooms designed to uh, help you stay awake and to also uh, promote mental clarity. I will report back because, you know, I may have bought into a hype, but you never know. You do actually never know. Speaking of clarity... We're about to get into the show with Paula Bagon. As I said, all of the links to everything that I've just talked about will be in the show notes. As will everything that uh, we talk about, we talk about, I talk about with Paula. Um, thank you everyone who's been getting in touch with the show. I've been having quite a few emails and DMs recently. I'm sorry if it seems like I'm taking too long to get back to you. I will get round to it because I get back to everybody personally. So thank you for your patience. Also, if you are listening to the show on iTunes, please do subscribe. And if you are enjoying it, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a five-star rating and a written review. It makes all the difference to a free-to-download podcast like mine. And it is so, so appreciated. As ever, if you want to get in touch, it's thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can DM me on Twitter or Instagram because that tends to be where I spend most slash too much 
of my time. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy this episode of The Emma Gunn Show featuring Paula Begon. Listeners, I'm beyond excited. As you know, in the world of beauty, there is only one choice. And I am sitting <laughs> with... Sorry, I'm laughing. That's just a lovely intro and you haven't even started and I'm talking and interrupting. Sorry. I'm here with Paula Begon. Is that how we say it? You did it perfectly. See, it's because Nadine Baggett called me, has been in here yes. not 15 minutes ago, yes. and called me from the car and said, don't say her name wrong. So uh, Nadine gave me the heads up. Welcome Thank you, to Nadine. the Emma Gunn Thank Show. You. I am beyond excited to talk to you. you. You are the founder, the creator, the Paula behind Paula's Choice. Incredible skincare. Thank you. When I think about Paula's Choice, and I'm sure a lot of the readers who know it will think the same, I think high performance, does what it says on the tin, really clever, intuitive skincare. Thank you. And I don't think I'm... I I like hearing that, yes. (laughs) And I'm not getting any nonsense. I don't feel... I feel like integrity is at the heart of this skincare range and that it's about delivering on a promise because every time I pick up, or before I was a beauty editor, because obviously one's perspective changes, but I would pick up a product and it would be making an unspoken promise to me and I'd be wanting it to deliver and I feel like that's what you've embodied with this Well, and it is the heritage of the company because that's where I started. I started with my books Blue eyeshadow should be illegal in 1984. That was my first one. What do you got against? What do you got against blue eyeshadow? Well, actually, other than nobody should be wearing it, there's nothing dangerous about it. it and really, in the long run, I, I have less opinions about makeup because you know it washes off and mm-hmm. it's you know personal. It's like you know wearing whatever blouse you want to wear, whatever makeup you want to wear. So I'm actually less opinionated, as opinionated as I am about makeup, but it was a great attention getter. Yes. And so at the time what I the point I was and still the point I'm trying to make is what's going wrong at the cosmetic counter. So when you look at a a color like blue eyeshadow and you go to almost any fashion magazine, even fashion magazines aimed at younger girls, they're not wearing blue eyeshadow. So back in the day, blue eyeshadow was the number one selling color at the cosmetic counter. So what was going wrong at the cosmetic mm-hmm. counter is that nobody in fashion, no, no celebrities were wearing blue eyeshadow, but everybody was buying it. So it it... I thought it was a clever way, and it, it sold a lot of copies, got me on the Oprah Winfrey <laughs> show. Um, it was a clever way to make a statement about what goes wrong at the cosmetic counter. What, what, what don't you know that you need to know to take brilliant care of your skin? And, mm-hmm. you know, 21 books later and 150 products later that I've formulated, not all are still around, but because, you know, you have to improve and change as new research comes out. Um, the what women don't know hurts their skin. I mean, and does in the short term and will in the long term. What Drives women don't know hurts their skin. What women don't know about skincare and the myths running around in the world of skincare on the internet or in fashion magazines or even your dermatologist is what made my career because all I could do was share what the research said. Here, I don't, you know, people would say, so you believe in this or you believe in that. I don't believe in anything. I'm an atheist when it comes to skincare. (laughs) What I do know is what the research says. And as the research has changed, so have my products. We didn't know about UVA protection. We didn't know about irritation and inflammation. We didn't know about antioxidants. We didn't 
I mean, there's a million things uh, when I started that we didn't know about. And so as the research changed, my work changed, mm -hmm. either what I was writing about or the products I was developing. So, yeah, I just, the crazy things I see on the internet nowadays or, you know, just a million different places. Just, mm -hmm. you know, I guess it's job security. <laughs> <laughs> because there's lots of talk about how uh, the consumer has never been so informed, has never gone to a counter with so many questions and so many opinions. But do you think that they are as informed as maybe... Well, they're informed with some pretty bad, really bad information. I mean, some of the myths th that were rampant back in the day now are even more rampant because the the viral aspect of misinformation is just never-ending right. on the Internet. So I think women get more information, but that doesn't mean they get true information. And there is truth in beauty. Mm -hmm. I believe that. I've based my career on it. It's really all I care about. And unfortunately, um, it's just easy to keep throwing out the stuff that actually in the long run hurts skin. And that just is sad. What's the one thing that, you, if you had to just pick one of those things, that you keep seeing? How about two of those things? Two of those things. Okay, two of those things. <laughs> <laughs> two of the things that are the worst things women do is they really don't understand sunscreen. They mm -hmm. really, sunscreen is probably the most complicated part of skincare right now, and that's just sad because the number one thing you won't like about your skin eventually, and nowadays because of many things going on in the environment, you will not like sooner than later comes from the sun. Right. Signs of aging, at the very worst, skin cancer, the, the skin doesn't heal, it makes acne worse, not protecting your skin from the sun, even on a cloudy day, even when you're sitting in a room because the bad rays come through the windows. What you don't know about sun protection is killing your skin. That's probably... The number one thing, it's not very sexy to talk about. Everybody want to talk, wants to talk about masks and anti-aging. and Well, not that, I mean, I like talking about anti-aging, but <laughs> sunscreen is probably the number one thing for anti-aging. It just, that's, sun protection is huge. So if you were going to simplify it for the listeners. And wear so sunscreen. 365 days a year, SPF 30 or greater, and wear it liberally. And don't be afraid to lay to layer it. I would say those are as simple as it gets. So if you are applying a sunscreen, oh, I know a lot of people have been put off. I am the same too. I was put off by the fact that I would put on my usual skincare, put on some uh, uh, sunscreen and SPF, something that was you know touted as being the thing that you could put under makeup, and my makeup just wouldn't look as good then you just didn't find the right sunscreen. So the as long as it's rated SPF 30 or greater, and I do have a personal preference for mineral-based sunscreens, but it doesn't really matter as long as it's SPF 30 or greater. The best sunscreen is the one you like okay. and the one you like to wear. And there are so many formulations out there. My little line of, well, it's not so little, but my product line has over 12 sunscreens you can choose from. Now, some of that is because we uh, formulate products based on skin type. Not a lot of companies do that. In other words, if you're somebody like me who has normal to oily, actually, I don't really have normal skin, but 
I have uh, combination, oily, blemish-prone, clogged pore skin. I yes. hate creams. Yeah. Terrible. I just I'll Your die skin with wrinkles and clogged. skin looks She's, amazing. <laughs> Thank God I was a makeup artist in my early days. So um, the... I, I hate creams and lotions. I just hate creams and lotions on my face. Mm-hmm. Makes me break out, makes me feel greasy. So the sunscreens I wear are either in my foundation that tend to sit more on the surface of skin or they're very thin, liquidy, you almost don't feel it on your skin. Mm-hmm. And so what a lot of women do is wear heavy creams because that's what a lot of sunscreens are and it, they don't have to be. Right. So the best sunscreen is the one that you will wear 365 days a year just like you brush your teeth you don't go without that. You don't go without sunscreen. So tell me a little bit about mineral sunscreens. I think this is a topic that can feel quite confusing, but you can actually dust on in a makeup. The problem with wearing... So what you're, what you're saying as I'm cutting you off is that pressed powders and loose powders can be rated with SPF. Mm-hmm. If it's got an SPF rating, it would be the rare company that would be fibbing about that because it is so tightly regulated. The problem is, is that in order to get the benefit of that SPF on the label, you have to apply the product liberally, right? generously. You can't go, and I love it, the cosmetic counters, when they say that the $80 sunscreen, oh, you just wear a little bit of it. You wear a little bit of it, you're not getting the SPF on the label. So you have to apply it generously. That mm-hmm. is a very big deal. So... The if I if I actually I just lost my train of thought. What was the what you were asking me about mineral sunscreen? Oh, the powder. I knew we were going somewhere. So the problem is, is you're not going to ever put enough powder on without looking like a case cakey, chalky old lady mess. So you don't want to. So pressed powder and loose powder with sunscreen is one of those additive things Mm -hmm. that you can wear to dust up and add a little extra sunscreen, which is always a good idea. But to rely on it for your sun protection, you're just not going to put on enough of it. Okay. And then you're going to miss your neck and you're going to miss your chest. And those will get old and mm-hmm. wrinkly and brown spotted as well. Yes. I've no, well, There's a famous brand of eggs in this country. I don't know if you get them over in the States. Called Burford Browns. Called who? Burford Browns. You'll get them in this hotel. And um, a friend of mine was complaining to me because she said that... My skin looks like those eggs? Oh, because they're they're mottled? Because they're mottled. They've got their beautiful colored eggs and they've got these little brown... Yeah, better on the egg than on your chest. Yes, so don't forget... So I I want you to see my arms, Mm -hmm. okay? You can tell your readers that I... Your readers, your listeners, that I have almost no brown spots. Mm Mm-hmm. On my face, I have one little brown spot that is very challenging over here, but I've got it a bit under control, uh, and I'm 64. I am not growing old with brown spots. And the only, Now, there are definitely skincare products you can use to improve it, mm-hmm. but it's it, without sunscreen, they are useless. It's kind of like thinking that you can smoke cigarettes, but if you eat broccoli and spinach and drink <laughs> green tea, your lungs will be fine. It's not true, and it's not true that you can keep up with what sun damage does by using whatever anti-aging or, you know, protecting products unless you are being religious about sunscreen. I can't stress it enough. It's about preventative measures rather than dealing with Seriously, because you're limited. Skincare Mm -hmm. products are limited as what they can do once the damage has set in because the damage is about DNA Mm -hmm. formation. It's about making bad damaged abnormal skin cells, which is what... 
the sun is doing on a daily basis to your skin. I remember as a, as a young beauty journalist, one of my first presentations was going to a launch where they did, um, they showed UV damage. And during that presentation, they said, do you want to know what a tan actually is? It's DNA damage. DNA damage. And ever since then, a tan has never been sexy to me. Yeah, it's a damage. It is your skin saying, ouch, ouch, you're hurting me, you're killing me, stop it. And the, the irony, uh, one of the many myths running around the internet these days is that because sunscreens block UVB rays, which they do, mm-hmm. they should, um, they block uh, vitamin D production. Oh, mm-hmm. so now sunscreens are evil because they block vitamin D. The, but the truth of it is, is well, yes, indeed, there's no question. They block UVB, they block vitamin D. But the issue is, is you can never get enough with a city lifestyle and you're mostly dressed walking around. Your face and hands are never going to get enough mm-hmm. vitamin D. And then you're risking skin cancer. So, oh, let's see, skin cancer, vitamin D, for most white people and especially dark-skinned people, Mm -hmm. they're going to be, especially in the North, you're going to be vitamin D deficient. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it is. You can't get enough sun exposure, and exposing your skin to the sun is dangerous. And so the way to think about it is the reason dark-skinned people, say African or South Indian people, are vitamin D deficient is because a tan actually blocks vitamin D production. So the irony is, is that you think getting a tan and sitting in the sun is helping you get vitamin D, and it actually blocks vitamin D. It, it, the, see what I mean? Being That's well informed. Alone. All of all of the friends who say to me, I like to do a fifteen-minute burst in the sun because I live in England and I want to. Fifteen-minute burst in the sun is going to get you nothing. It, literally, because there's no research saying how long you need. I mean, they toss the number around, but there's no research backing up that 15 minutes gets you your exposure. Mm-hmm. But let's say that's true. It's not, mm-hmm. but let's say that's true. So expose your leg. So put on a pair of shorts. Go sit in the sun for 15 mm-hmm. minutes. Your your leg, I mean, if you want it, it'll get old and wrinkled and risk skin cancer too, but at least it won't be your face, so you, no one else will have to see it. <laughs> you, you can hide it under a pair of pants. You can't hide your face under a pair of pants. And the leg is a bigger area, so it would get mm-hmm. better vitamin D. It's just all nonsense. Most people, northern Caucasian people, people of color, need vitamin D supplementation uh, to get enough vitamin D to get your levels up above. I forget what the number is. I think it's above. I forget. I don't want to quote a number and I don't know. You need to get tested for your vitamin D levels and then determine how much vitamin D you need to keep your levels up. Interesting. Okay, so you said there were two myths. Okay, the other one is... (laughs) Actually, there's so many myths. The other one is uh, that uh, natural and organic are better than um, synthetic or chemical ingredients. And Uh, it's just nonsense. I was going to get onto this because there's this whole tribe of... Or this, this uh, a lot of people saying that it's a toxin. Don't put it on your skin. It's poisoning you. It's killing your liver. They don't speak like that, listeners. I just imagine. no. I get the I get the I get the gist though. So yes, the notion that whatever is perceived to be chemical is bad, and whatever is perceived to be natural mm. and organic is good. And the problem is, is that there are plenty of natural and organic ingredients that are actually terrible for skin. And unfortunately, most of those do indeed show up in natural and organic products. 
So believing that myth is is hurting your skin. It's not that there aren't great natural ingredients. There are, I mean, mm -hmm. for sure. But there's also a lot of bad, irritating ingredients, uh, ingredients that are phototoxic. Almost all the citruses, particularly lemon, are phototoxic. What phototoxic means? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so phototoxic means that when you go out in the sun, it actually increases the negative effect of the sun on your skin. What? Yes, I know. Lavender is actually uh, linked to cell death. Well, not only, yes, lavender is linked to cell death, but even more insidious is also an endocrine disruptor, meaning it affects hormones. I know, look at the look. You can't, this is a podcast, so you can't see her face. This is the record, color me shop. So this is the, I mean, these are the, some of the myths, I, you know, that are just kind of ongoing. Um, mineral oil is bad, silicones are bad, sulfates are bad, no research supporting it, but there you have it because right when I first started doing my research on you the first one of the first thing that comes up is that you've been dubbed the cosmetics cop I got that name from Oprah Winfrey in 1985 who's that go now? figure Oprah Winfrey she... Do you not know that? <laughs> no, I know. Really? No, oh, you do know. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought, don't the Brits know that? I thought for certain you did. No, it's just the fact that you mentioned her earlier, and I've already made a mental note mm -hmm. to come back to Oprah at some point. Okay. Um, but she uh, did give me the name. Oprah Cosmetics. You a cosmetics Be call. Because of when I went on her show with my first book, the one I mentioned, Blue Eyeshadow Should Be Illegal, and she was interviewing me, and she said, God, you know, what you do, is that kind of like being a cosmetics cop? And then, and I went on her show many times, and every time I went on, she introduced me as the cosmetics cop, so the name just stuck. And it, it, it did. I went, yeah, that is kind of what I do, isn't it? So it's been kind of my handle ever since. And immediately under cosmetics cop in my research, I've written, cosmetics and skincare, this is a quote, cosmetics and skincare should be based on ingredients that have been subjected to peer review research. Yes, not marketing. So, okay, so explain to me that um, way of thinking, what you mean by not marketing. So, the, the, the I, I don't even quite know how to start with this. The, the thing that happens is cosmetic companies love telling stories, and they want their formula to sound unique and interesting, and they give ingredients interesting names, and they find some plant in the Amazon or some plant in China or you know, some plant in Morocco, argan oil, you know, something exotic sounding. Of course, it can never be from London. There's no exotic plants in London. So why stick one from there? Not a good story. Our scientists have so, to wrestle alligators to get this particular oil. Oh, yeah, well, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. So the, the problem is, is that in creating a story around an ingredient, you miss other ingredients that have research. In other words, when it's a new ingredient, by definition, it won't have research behind it. And then often that ingredient goes away. Snail cream. I had to deal with snail cream and bee venom and snake venom. And, of course, those trends go away for, oh, I don't know, four years ago, although they, it still shows up. I had to deal with stem cells, the plant stem cells. It's just such insanity. Plant Plant stem cells, by definition, are cells that can become any other cell. Mm -hmm. Every nascent cells in the body, you just are just blank. They can become anything. That's what a stem cell is called. But in order for a stem cell to work, like a stem cell, in other words, you hope making more skin or healthy collagen or whatever, is that it turns on in the body and then creates more collagen. That sounds all lovely and good, but in order for a stem cell to do that, it has to be alive. In a skincare product, 
it isn't alive, it's dead. But even more ironic is when they use plant stem cells. So what are you going to become, an avocado? I mean, it's just such... So... So the the what I what we do when we formulate and what I've been formulating skincare products on from the beginning is when there is serious research, not a good story, not something that when they say our studies show, unless you show me your study, your study doesn't mean anything. I'm one of the only websites in the world that list all the published research we use to consider and develop a product. All the research we use is right there on the website. It's not just our study. And then, of course, even when they say it's our study, they don't show you the study. It's mm-hmm. not like we use this many people and it was, you know, double blind and this was the placebo. And I mean, it's you don't get the information. You yeah. just get the brilliant, remarkable results. It's never like there's a bad study. Because I could say... My study shows that 100% of my listeners think this show is excellent, and I've just asked my dad. I think that's true. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but exactly. So that's, so that's the point. What we do and what my career has been about is what are the facts? Truth is beautiful. Truth and beauty mm-hmm. is what I've been about from the beginning. I don't think being lied to helps anybody. And sometimes what I say isn't popular and... You know, I could, you know, I was just in East Asia and the East Asians just love their paper masks. They just love those laying the sheet masks over their skin. And I just said, you know, you guys are wasting way too much of your life. Some of these women uh, in the East put it on twice a day, 20 to 40 minutes a day. And I said, when do you have time to have sex? Who who has time at night after a job, taking care of the kids, having dinner, to sit in a mask for 40, you know, 20 to 40 minutes? Who's kissing? How are you making babies? I just, it just, I, and there is no research showing that that mask helps skincare ingredients penetrate better. Mm. None. None. I, I, yeah. But also just flagged up a massive difference between our way of thinking, because you said, when are you having sex? And when you said they spend 40 minutes wearing a mask, I thought, when are they doing their housework? When are they brushing their teeth? I mean, there's a, I mean, really. So, and I, <laughs> and it, you know, in fact, I just saw a company that, uh, you know, come out with one for around the eyes. And I'm thinking, oh, is that going to move to the West now? And I got to deal with that. And so, you know, but I'm a global brand, so I deal with things wherever I am. But what about the idea that, Doing something is better than doing nothing. So although... No, oh, okay. What do you mean by that? I mean by... Well, if they're using a sheet mask and at least they're investing in their skin. If it contains good than, ingredients, that's right. fine. If it contains bad ingredients and that's the only product you're relying on, that that's a problem. Because most of these masks are not very well formulated. Mm-hmm. In fact, some of them are you know, contain a lot of the irritating ingredients, a lot of them so that the, it sticks to the skin. So it, you know, the ingredients, you know, you're not sitting there dripping down your face, have a lot of what they call film forming ingredients that kind of make it feel sticky on the skin. That's not the best skin way to get skincare products on the skin. So some of them are just badly formulated. So I don't mind if you're buying an expensive product. I don't mind if you're buying a well-formulated natural product that doesn't contain irritating ingredients. I don't mind 
you know, how much money you're spending, if what you're doing contains good ingredients and you're using a sunscreen 365 days a year. But just doing something that is bad is bad skincare and it is hurting, and then I would rather you do nothing. Well, except sunscreen. So what if... How does somebody know whether they're using bad skincare? Because as you say, there's all this information around. I don't know. That's the hardest question I get asked. I mean, you know, it's a bit self-serving to say, but a lot of the information that used to be in my books Mm -hmm. is now on uh, Paula's Choice Mm -hmm. uh, in the the UK. And it's also on uh, my, uh, well, it's a global website, uh, beautypedia.com. I think that's one way. We have a ton of information and research on both of those sites. Because, you know, what I've always said, I'm one of the only cosmetic companies that doesn't mind recommending products other than my own. Because what my mission has been from the beginning, and what I am not giving up, is that I I don't want anyone to go through what I went through. I spent many, you know, two decades of my young life just searching and praying that some product I would put on wouldn't make my skin worse. And then when the research was I finally able to put the research together and there was growing research about skincare, um, I just didn't want anyone to struggle with all of the problems that bad skincare products do. And was what you were dealing with acne and eczema? Terrible acne and eczema. Terrible. And I mean, I definitely don't have as bad acne as I used to have. Um, that's for sure. But yes, I still have oily skin. I still break out. And thank God I created my products because I don't know what I would do without them. It's hard. I don't think it's as hard as it used to be to find good products, but there's just still a lot of crap out there. And Mm -hmm. that just drives me nuts. But there are better products than ever before. That's for sure. Like you, I had really bad acne as a teenager. Well, as a teenager, I was... I had PCOS and I was put on the pill and it very quickly disappeared when I was about 18. Um, oh, that's a terrible disorder to struggle with. Which which pill did they... Do you remember? I was what? put on Dinah at the beginning, which is oh, the Dinah, that's a, one. Yeah, that's... T- yeah. But Good. I displayed symptoms from the age of nine and I wasn't diagnosed till 17. <sighs> so for all of that time, man. facial hair, oh, acne. Oh, man. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. I um, found a good physician because that, that is a disorder that is... It's polycystic ovarian syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. Just so your readers, uh, I keep saying readers, your <laughs> listeners know about. Um, that's a devastating uh, skin disorder. Devastating skin disorder. Well, body disorder, mm-hmm. really. Um, so, did you have like painful ovaries? Did you have cramps? Bad cramps? Terrible just, cramps, incredibly oh, irregular periods. Oh, man. Um, alopecia. Oh, man. Acne. Um, weight gain. Oh, very specific. No, it's a very difficult. Yeah. And when disorder. you don't know what it is, and also it's that thing of, I've actually had um, a couple of readers DM me on Instagram asking me to do a show on hormones, and it is coming. Trust me, but um, it's it messes with your head because you try and help yourself, and it's really tricky. But like you, the reason I'm a beauty journalist is absolutely because I had these issues with my skin. And, and nobody could find an answer, and you turned everywhere until you found the right answer. And this was in the days before the internet, Yeah. and so yeah. I would pick up the magazines, and I would go to the library, and I'd read about... I remember doing a parsley facial. I ripped up parsley, like said to my mom, please, can we get some parsley when we get to the supermarket? Poured boiling water on it, and then put, stuck my head oh. over it, oh. because I read that that was really clarifying and cleansing and would get rid of acne. 
So I understand when you've had a an issue with your skin. By the way, that just so everybody oh. who's listening knows, that will make skin worse. Hot is bad for skin. Steam is bad for skin. But obviously, I know it didn't work for you. And but you know, you will try anything. You'll try anything. And that was definitely why I became a journalist. And then when I a specifically beauty journalist. And then I trained as a makeup artist because we have a similar background. I was so good at picking up a product and figuring out whether it would be good for me. I had no concept of uh, what would be good for other people. And if you're writing about a product, you can't be subjective. You have to pick up a product, put it on your skin and say, this is going to be good for someone with that kind of skin. The problem, so you're limited at testing products to make a decision about good or bad because all you can do in the short term with a product is determine if you like the texture. What's limiting is if you can't read an ingredient label and unless you're a chemist, it's almost impossible to read that ingredient label. Those words mean, Mm -hmm. even the Latin words for plants mean nothing. And then depending on whether the plant is the root or the stem, or the flower, or the fruit, each part has different potential for being helpful or not helpful. Mm. So the the problem with applying a product to judge its texture doesn't tell you what it contains. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, what I tell people all the time is I, in my, how many years have I been doing this? 30 plus years. I don't even test all the products I create because they're not for my skin type. So people will say, well, how can you judge a product if you don't use it? And I said, well, I know not to smoke. I'm not going to smoke a cigarette or sit in the sun to realize I'm not supposed to do it. The research is there that says what's good and bad for skin. I don't have to put my skin through hell to determine if it's good or bad. That's what the formulary is about. Mm -hmm. So once you learn and it's, and again, it's hard to learn. It's 30 years of chemistry and 30 years of cosmetic development that I can look at an ingredient list and go, oh, this would be harmful, this would be helpful, this would be, you know, why bother, this is too expensive, this can work for this skin type. So skin, uh, a product's texture only gives you a, a bit of information. And I don't want, you know, one of the problems with being in in your world of beauty is a lot of beauty editors, a lot of beauty writers and bloggers think they have to put it on their face. And then, you know, like I like I said, you know, like it's like needing to smoke mm-hmm. uh, to see if it's bad for you. My god, back in the day, nobody's probably listening to this is old enough to know this, but back in the day, they used to say smoking was relaxing. <laughs> deep drag and you felt so calm and you look so elegant you know so it took a long time for research to catch up and go no it's killing you so I don't want anyone killing their skin and I feel for my beauty writers that they think they need to put products on their skin to determine its efficacy and there's especially for most skincare products it's really some skincare products are about short-term benefit, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But a lot of skincare benefits really are about long-term. And you wouldn't know from just a week or two or even a month of using it if it's truly making a difference. And sunscreen is, would fall in, in that category. Products you know, loaded with antioxidants are really about long-term benefits. So it's, 
Yeah, it's not easy. So if someone's picking up a product and they want to see a difference, they want it to work, is the first, rather than putting it on the back of the hand, is the best thing to do to start Googling the ingredients on the inky list? Like if someone's trying to make a judgment about yeah. whether a product... So the product... God, I feel bad. Every time this subject comes up, I feel so bad. Um, so the, the problem with the inky list is the inky list gives you category. And the EWG wants to scare you. So Who's the it, EWG? Uh, Environmental Working Group. Okay. Um, and and they're, they're a grassroots group from the United States that just want to scare you about every ingredient possible. And the research they use is often not even about the ingredient. And the inky uh, or the MSDS, do you know what the MSDS, the material safety data sheet? So um, that's for, uh, chem, you know, when you're working in a factory that makes the ingredient. But that information is about 100% of the ingredient. So it's as if you dipped your whole body in salt. You, it would be terrible for you. You don't want to inhale it. So the MSDS gives you limited information that has anything to do with skincare. The inky is about category. It doesn't necessarily tell you good or bad. It doesn't tell you skin type. It just is is categories. Mm-hmm. The the research really comes from either that you, you know somebody like me who's been formulating products from thirty years is actually seeing how it interacts with ingredients in a product, and then the research uh, in the scientific literature about you know ingredients like niacinamide, vitamin C, different plant extracts. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, you know, uh, hyaluronic acid, retinol, on and on, and how they help or benefit skin. So, and then you can't even tell. Let's say I, I tell you that retinol and vitamin C and niacinamide and hyaluronic acid and ceramides and on and on. You know, these handful of what I call skin hero ingredients are good. They're just not the only ones. They're just some of the more recognizable ones, mm-hmm. or the ones that have a lot of research behind them. And then the issue, I know I'm just carrying on, so you've got to stop me at some point. No, I will. And then, the, then there's the issue of concentration, and people think, well, it needs to be at the top of the ingredient list. But some ingredients you don't need that much of. Retinol is one of those. Mm-hmm. Retinol has research showing it works at 0.3% as well as as high as 1%. Mm-hmm. So the ingredient placement doesn't necessarily help you. And then often it's the... At, at Paula's Choice, what we do is we look at the combination, the synergistic effect mm-hmm. of ingredients, because one ingredient is never enough. So, it, uh, you know, skin is a very large organ, very complicated, needs a lot of things to be healthy and normal. 
so one ingredient just doesn't do it. So we're always looking at how do we put ingredients together that reinforce, absorb differently. Uh, not everything needs to absorb into skin. Is there a product within your range that is a good example of that, that you can think of? Well, all my products are what we call is the cocktail approach. Uh-huh. So even a product like my 10% niacinamide, which we formulated a couple of years ago that has become my best friend, um, even though it has 10% niacinamide, that's a lot of niacinamide, the research about niacinamide, oh my gosh, is really astounding. And but niacinamide is a derivative of vitamin B, which is the it, energy vitamin, is that right? Right, it's vitamin B3, mm-hmm. and uh, that vitamin topically on skin has research showing that it improves pore size, that it hydrates, that it strengthens skin. It's a, it's a pretty impressive little ingredient, and particularly at 10%, but it doesn't just contain 10% niacinamides. Mm-hmm. It has antioxidants, it has other skin-strengthening ingredients. One ingredient by itself is never enough for skin, and we do that with our new vitamin C product, even our omega serum, uh, which I'm particularly proud about, uh, that has all of the omegas, omega-3, 6, and 9, and as vital as those are for skin, all by itself, those are great, but better when they're supported with antioxidants and, again, other skin-restoring ingredients. So we always are looking at our products in terms of a marriage of ingredients. Mm-hmm. One ingredient just doesn't do it. Interesting. So there are, uh, there are some famous uh, oils, for example, that say they're rich in omega fatty acids and 3, 6, and 9 but it's meant to be very pure. It's just an oil that contains those. So you're... you're I would say that that's a problem for skin. Well, not a problem. If that's all you're using, it's a problem. Mm. So yes, the omega-3, 6, and 9s, if the oils are non-fragrant, and actually most omega-3, 6, and 9 oils are non-fragrant, so that's good. Mm. But all by themselves, they're good, but they're not enough. Mm. Again, skin is just too complicated. It's kind of like thinking... If you just took an omega-3, 6, and 9 supplement and you didn't do anything else, you'd be healthy if that was part of your diet. Right. Your diet is more complicated than that. Skin is, again, just the largest organ of the body, and it's complicated. It needs a lot of things. Omega is just part of that diet for your skin. It's not the whole ball of wax. So this approach to skincare, and I love the fact that you, you were an investigative beauty journalist, Yes. As well. Do you know Claire Coleman? No. She is an investigative beauty journalist. She's all about the clinical trials. Mm. Um, putting that knowledge together with this, the way that you've just explained... How we do skincare and Paula's skincare. choice. Plus, you, you had a column called Dear Paula, is that right? A long time ago. Long but you must period. have had a lot of correspondence from women. And oh, you must I, still do, I still do, yes. How does having conversations with women and hearing about how they talk about skincare and how they communicate influence Paula's choice? So that's an interesting question. So the way that, you know, it's funny. I, in all due respect to your lovely listeners and your popularity, and I hope I don't take it with my next comment, I, there, the way I talk to women about skincare, I, I rarely change what we're doing because a woman's telling me she likes fragrance in her products. I'm not putting fragrance in my products. It's bad for skin. Mm-hmm. She likes products in jars so she can make sure she gets to the last drop. 
I'm not making products in jars. The good ingredients don't stay stable in air and stick in your finger in a product. Transfers, you know, skin cells and bacteria and yucky other stuff that further deteriorates the good ingredients. So the the conversations with women don't necessarily or rarely uh, affect how I formulate products. What they do affect, and if I didn't hear from women, I think by now I would have not only retired, I would be in a different career trajectory, um, is the reinforcement I get when women thank me for my work and thank me for my products and thank me for helping them see the world of skincare through truth and Mm -hmm. not through marketing or hype or misleading information. that keeps me alive. That makes me want to wake up in the morning and continue doing what I do because sometimes I feel like I'm just knocking my head against the wall. It's, even in my company, somebody will say something. And in fact, just recently, somebody said something about scrubs. Pollen hates scrubs. Paula never recommends scrubs. And I go, nobody ever reads what I write because it's not that I hate scrubs. It's just that most scrubs are abrasive, they're harsh, they damage skin. Mm. If a scrub is gentle and doesn't contain irritating ingredients, it gets a good rating. It's just that there aren't many of them. Mm. Most scrubs are skin damaging. So it's not that I hate scrubs, I hate badly formulated scrubs. Well, also, you can't even, it's not just the scrub's fault. I know so many friends who think that to get a good face scrub means a lot of elbow grease, and they think that that red raw feeling is skin health. They think it's skin radiance. I know, and it's irritation, it's it's dehydrating, it's damage, it hurts the skin's ability to heal, it causes collagen breakdown. I can go on and on. Scrubbing and harsh, treating your skin harshly, abrasively, with irritation, irritating ingredients, is just hell on skin. It's Mm. just bad, bad, bad skincare. But conversely, acid gets a bad rap because it's the word acid. So alpha-hydroxy acids and beta-hydroxy acids. So beta-hydroxy acid is salicylic acid, and alpha-hydroxy acid is, uh, that's a group of ingredients like glycolic or lactic or tartaric or malic. So naturally occurring acids. They're all naturally occurring, but they're all produced. Nobody's using natural forms of those ingredients. They don't work as well, they're not as potent or as stable, so they're all what I call designer ingredients. They're created in a lab. Um, The brilliance of those ingredients is that they actually are, when they're well formulated, they're actually gentle on skin. Mm -hmm. They actually hydrate. Alpha hydroxy acids were first developed because they hydrated skin. Mm -hmm. We didn't find out about their properties of exfoliation until many years later. Same thing with salicylic acid. What scrub is considered hydrating and especially beta hydroxy acid beta hydroxy acid the ingredient is salicylic acid salicylic acid is related to aspirin aspirin is acetyl salicylic acid and aspirin has anti-inflammatory properties and so does beta hydroxy acid Mm -hmm. salicylic acid so it exfoliates gently it exfoliates inside the pore to help a misshapen pore behave better it also has antibacterial properties so it can kill the bacteria in the pore the p acnes bacteria in the pore that is causing acne so 
that, that these acids get a bad rap is just astounding to me because the research about them is, is just stunning. In fact, uh, The Lancet, which is a, a British medical journal, uh, uh, back in 2000, I hate quoting dates because I always get them wrong, <laughs> but The Lancet in uh, recent, uh, fairly recent history actually came out you know, saying that benzyl peroxide and beta-hydroxy acid, salicylic acid, was the first line of defense for acne, even before you see a dermatologist, that if you have mild to moderate acne, that can work as well, if not better than a lot of the options from dermatologists. So the, the, that they get a bad rap, the, one of the things that I see about the alpha-hydroxy acids and the beta-hydroxy acids is that they thin skin. Have you seen that one? Oh, good. Never mind. If you, you look confused, never mind. We're not going to talk about thinning skin. They don't thin skin. <laughs> but I, I've seen that one. But they they simply exfoliate the surface dead layers mm-hmm. of skin. They don't penetrate to live skin cells. They don't thin skin. Mm-hmm. They just get the built up dead layers of skin off. Think about it like getting a pedicure, mm-hmm. right? You don't say to the person during your heels, "Just leave that built up crap on my heels. Don't take it off." But you can't treat the face like you treat the heels, right? So the, the, the heel skin grows back. It's not like mm-hmm. you're thinning it out. It's the same thing with the face. You just can't be as abrasive because then you get damage and the built-up skin, right, built skin cells are for a different reason than on the heels. But when you get the built-up skin cells off, the smoothness, the wrinkles go away. The skin is healthier and smoother and more radiant. And those ingredients get a bad rap, and it just drives me nuts. Do you think that the introduction of acids into skincare and into regimes could be, as you say, if you're using SPF, could be the biggest game changer yes. in terms of keeping people's skin in its healthiest condition for longer? If it's a well-formulated product, it actually is one of the few skincare products that give you instant results, like literally within a day of using it, particularly uh, 2% or uh, for uh, beta-hydroxy acid, but even 1%. Um, and for alpha-hydroxy acids, 5 to 10%. Can you have 10% uh, AHA in the, in the UK? We're asking the room listeners. 8% is the highest? Well, that's sad. <laughs> but you know what you get here in the UK that's actually quite lovely, and we developed a product uh, just for Europe and the UK is azelaic acid. Okay. which is just a lovely, interesting ingredient. We can't actually use that in the States. Oh, really? It's just so strange, different government uh, regulations. But it, it's actually a brilliant ingredient. We have two products here, uh, and we're actually formulating another one for... It's a fascinating ingredient because it's, it's known for its anti-acne properties, and it has very interesting skin lightening properties for brown spots in particular. Oh, okay. Fascinating research. This is... We're quite... I, I'm quite excited about so it. And azelaic acid. Azelaic acid. Azelaic acid. And con- it, but it has to be in high concentrations, uh, which most companies aren't using. We used, oh God, I hate quoting numbers even for products I've developed. I think <laughs> it has 9%. I'm almost certain we did a 9% azelaic acid for the, oh, for the UK and the interesting. EU. Interesting. Now, talking about, I'm interested about where the border is between skincare and then perhaps a treatment that you go and have in a clinic. Like uh, facial or cosmetic corrective procedures? Cosmetic corrective procedure. Well, as, as somebody who is 64, and uh, I, uh, I know for a fact, and I can say this quite boldly and clearly, that 
there are things cosmetic corrective procedures can do that skincare absolutely cannot do. No way in hell it doesn't exist. However, skincare can do things that cosmetic corrective procedures cannot do. Okay. So as somebody who has had a facelift and uh, Botox and fillers, and I've definitely, let's see what else have I had. I've had stuff done uh, from the neck down too. So I've been very busy. But I'm 64. <laughs> I've been very busy. So what I can say without question is some of why I look young is because of the cosmetic corrective procedures mm-hmm. I've had. Skincare products are very limited as to what they can do for lifting. Skincare products are very limited, uh, particularly for deeper lines, like uh, they call them the nasal labial yes. fold lines, the lines that go from the nose down mm-hmm. to the mouth. Um, the, when lips start shrinking and get very uh, deeply lined, it's just very limited things that skincare products can do. So that's where. So co- you mean these stick on masks won't plump my lips? <laughs> the, oh, yeah, from irritation, a lot of those products will plump the lips and then in the long run make lines worse. But. Uh, yeah, the, that is where cosmetic corrective procedures come in. Certain laser treatments can build collagen in a way that skincare products can't, mm-hmm. uh, resurface the skin in ways uh, that skincare products can't. Certainly nothing quite works like Botox. Um, having said that, I'm not telling anyone to run out and go sure. see their cosmetic corrective dermatologist or surgeon. But what I want women to know that there are whatever that cosmetic company is telling you, and I'm a cosmetic company, and believe me, if I could tell you that my product works like what a cosmetic corrective procedure does or a dermatologist does, or a, you know, believe me, I would love to say it, I'd make a fortune, I could buy an island someplace off of, you know, Britain or something, and and, and life, and life and, okay, <laughs> right, sorry, it's cold up here. But I'm from Seattle, so I'm used to it. Um, I could lie through my teeth, and what the truth is, because there's truth in beauty, is that uh, correct cosmetic corrective procedures do things that skincare can't, and I still am not giving up my skincare despite my cosmetic corrective procedures because they do things that cosmetic corrective procedures can't. Also, is, <clears throat> is going into cosmetic corrective procedures... And then not looking after your skin with skincare, like going to the That's gym and then stupid. having McDonald's. It's it. Yes. Oh, I love that. <laughs> can I use? You can that? have it. Oh, thank you. It's <laughs> like going to the gym and then going to McDonald's. Well, in the United States, it would be going to the Cheesecake Factory. Oh. Okay. Do you know what the Cheesecake Factory? Um, only from The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what they never show you on the Cheesecake Factory cheesecake. is the cheesecake. You cannot imagine. Do you want me to go down this road? Yeah, it's like, of course. So I was with... Um, so with Paul, Paul is, No, no, no. <laughs> so Paula's Choice is... I'm, it's very... I, I have a beautiful following in, in Asia. I love my Asian ladies. Uh, and my Asian distributor came to the United States. And I don't know, for whatever reason, we took him to the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> and when that piece of cheesecake came, and it was just one of those ones with Oreo cookies oh and... God. And I don't know, caramel and whipped cream and peanut butter. I mean, it just had everything. And the, and they are, their slices like the size of a couch. I mean, they're just huge. Well, he took out his camera and he just, I mean, we had a way to eat for five minutes as he was taking pictures of that cheesecake. So, so having said that, yes, it's like going to the uh, gym the and then eating a piece of Cheesecake, cheesecake factory, factory cheesecake, yes. It, it's, it's not one or the other. If you choose to consider cosmetic corrective procedures, 
doesn't mean that you still don't need beautifully formulated skincare products because then there is maintenance. You, mm-hmm. you, you can't, your skin will get rough, it will get dry, it doesn't get rid of oily skin, it doesn't get rid of clogged pores, it doesn't get rid of acne, it doesn't help keep texture smooth, it doesn't help fight pollution or mm-hmm. free radical damage. So there's definitely things you still absolutely desperately need from skincare. One doesn't replace the other. Mm-hmm. For me, as we talked about uh, with problems with skin, and I'm wondering if the same is true with you too, self-esteem and my skin are so linked. Yes. And um, I came off the pill a couple of years ago because I was worried about having been on it for such a long time and potential health risks. And Did your PCOS come back? Actually, I had an ultrasound last year because I was convinced it had come back because I'm displaying some of the symptoms again. And no, the, the cysts haven't come back, but... Funnily, listeners, this might be TMI, I'm waiting for blood test results because I'm sure something's going on. You do know you're safer on not having PCOS because of... I'm sorry, I'm not a doctor, and this is something to discuss with your (laughs) physician, but I've actually written quite extensively about PCOS. I was, again, polycystic ovarian syndrome because I was very taken with the disorder and the, the... well, one, the number, actually, I was very surprised, the number of women it affects and, uh, and the side effects, uh, the symptoms from it just mm-hmm. really touched my heart. Um, and the, the long-term effect of PCOS is not good. So you're actually less problematic with the pill if you don't have mm-hmm. a history. Again, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm yeah, a physician okay. in the, on the topic. This is I'm just saying from the research I've seen, and you would have to check this out with mm-hmm. your physician, Um, is that the long-term problem with having PCOS, even if you're not having severe symptoms like, um, uh, uh, you know, benign tumors Mm -hmm. on the ovaries, um, there's still high other risk problems associated with it. And if you don't have a history of breast cancer uh, in your family, you're less likely to have problems um, on on the pill for the treatment. And and there's lower concentrations now. How long ago did you stop? Uh, it was three years ago, and I actually came off the pill because my mother got breast cancer. Oh, shit. And Ooh. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, that's I'm fine. Sorry. Okay, sorry. Um, and the, uh, it could have been HRT that was the trigger, but because there's no genetic history or anything like that. Um, and I just freaked oh, out so about sorry. being on synthetic yeah. hormones. But I'm now speaking to someone about bioidentical hormones. It's still a problem. Mm. I have a history of breast cancer in the family and because if I could be on estrogen I would be on estrogen in a heartbeat I'm menopausal and uh, the research about uh, your estrogen keeps you young Mm -hmm. you don't have estrogen you don't make as many fibroblasts uh, the um, the uh, uh, the cells in skin that make collagen and make healthy skin Mm -hmm. you have less fibroblasts you have I mean I could go on. Estrogen makes you young. But mm-hmm. if you have a history of breast cancer, you don't make, you know, you can't, it's a high risk. It's, it's a high risk. So believe me, if I could take an estrogen supplement, I would take an estrogen supplement. But once you have a history of, um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a bitch. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, how's mom? Uh, it's always a difficult, I find it a really difficult question to answer because we're very well, thank you. But obviously there's always a fear. Oh, if, you know, my sister, who's a... Should we go down this path? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. This is a very uh, open so, podcast. So my, uh, my sister, uh, who uh, is the one and the closest relative, we have many relatives, but is the closest relative who had breast cancer. Um, she's also a doctor of psychology, and she wrote a paper called 
surviving breast cancer is a lie, that you never survive it. That was her premise, her thesis. Because to this day, whenever she gets a mammogram, she's been, she got breast cancer when she was 40. She's three years old. She's 67 now. And to this day, when she gets a mammogram and she has to wait for the results, she's always certain how many years later that she's got breast cancer. Because the first time that they said, oh, it looks like something, but it's probably nothing, and it wasn't, that means how do you know that the next time, Mm -hmm. the next time, or the next time. Mm -hmm. So mammograms to this day are traumatic. Breast exams are are traumatic. So that, I call it uh, the post-traumatic stress syndrome of Mm -hmm. breast cancer. It's just... We're, it's just always on our minds. It's just we totally. family history. So I, I get it. Mm. I, I get it. I don't know what the UK practice of healthcare is here, but um, uh, my sister gets mammograms every six months. Some mm-hmm. people would say that that's too much radiation, and some people, you know, there's controversy about that. And then uh, we also, as a family group, because we're of uh, Ashkenazic Jewish heritage, and we, as a people, we have a higher incidence. That's the other thing is we have a higher incidence of breast cancer. And so I also get ultrasound, which is relatively a safer way to get double-checked. So just just to say, please give mom (laughs) my regards. I understand completely. I've been through it, and I hope you find six. But just know that really do your research on bioidentical because Mm -hmm. the, the, the natural estrogen in your body is what caused some of the, and the balance of androgens, mm-hmm. male hormones, is what caused the problem in the first place. Yeah. So just d- do your, I'm not up on the latest research. No, I haven't written about PCOS in a, in a quite a while. And that's but, why I want to get someone on the show, because actually I came off and thought, oh, I'll be fine. And actually, I really haven't felt fine since I came off. I kind of had that turbulence where your body adjusts and I just don't feel great. Yeah. And I went, you know, you go to your GP, um, over here and they do what they can but um it's time to sort of look at it in a bit more detail so you can, they can't get you to an expert in the field you got to go to your general practitioner you go to your gp first and they refer you but if um, your bloods come back as normal or within safe range they won't you. refer you but if your pathology comes back and says you have no testosterone that's normal you're kidding exactly so the that's why you have to start anyway um, okay, so you got it. So having said that, so just one other thing, and then I'm sorry we're not talking about skincare. Um, so, uh, so one of the things that sometimes is a decision in life is balancing out uh, lifestyle uh, with health and the decisions you make around it. And so, uh, when my sister developed breast cancer, she was taking tamoxifen, and tamoxifen zeroes out your estrogen. They don't do that as much as they used to. She's, mm-hmm. But uh, she stopped taking the tamoxifen because zeroing out her estrogen just made her life terrible. It was just miserable. And so she made the decision, and, and then she got checkups more often. She was mm-hmm. more religious about checking her breasts, and which we should all be doing in the shower mm-hmm. once a month. Once a month, ladies, don't let your boyfriend touch your breasts. That's the time you touch your breasts. <laughs> and look for lumps under your arms and around your breasts. Um, so she just uh, got off of the tamoxifen and, uh, you know, just was more diligent. So maybe one of the things you can talk about with your physician mm-hmm. is 
your risk factor versus your lifestyle? Because there's risks to having PCOS. Mm. Well, interestingly, I was with I was at dinner with a group of beauty editors, a few of whom have been on the show, and we were talking about hormones and about various things. And one of the editors, I won't name her, but she said, if you had said to me 10 years ago that if someone said to me, oh, I put on weight because of my hormones or I'm like this because of my hormones, I would have sniffed at you and said, yeah, you're just eating too many curries or you're just having too much pizza, you're being lazy. And then she said that once she went through the menopause, she really realised the difference. Oh, God. The effect of hormones have. And there are a few others who are saying they realise they've had it really lucky. And I think growing up with a hormone imbalance um, for such a long time without it being diagnosed and then now being on the other side of it 20 years later, you know I really know there's a so difference. So you know what's shocking about that as you say that? So I, again, for skincare, I've, I've done a lot of research about hormones, estrogen, androgens, because of acne and, and you know, change of life things, perimenopause, which is when most women sometime between 40 and 45 actually are going through the change, mm-hmm. and then it just finishes somewhere between the ages of 54 to 60. Mm-hmm. And everything that causes... And what I find shocking is how do we believe, and I've seen this on the internet that, you know, what's the big deal about hormones, but what woman, well, actually, there are women who actually get their periods and don't have, you know, premenstrual syndrome. However, (laughs) I don't know about you, but I was a PMS nightmare for a lot of my life. We are very driven by the hormone balance. Mm. Acne is about androgens. It's about too much male androgens not being opposed. Well, I mean, there's many theories about why androgens cause acne in women uh, because we both, you know, we have male and female hormones. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we are driven by our hormones, men and women, for many different ways. You got a lot of testosterone guys. We know how guys are. (laughs) We know how women are. And that is uh, mostly because of hormones. And so to suggest that, oh, hormones don't do anything. I mean, where do you go through, you know, perimenopause Mm -hmm. and menopause and get night sweats and get day sweats and get, you know, feel like you could throw yourself in snow and you still wouldn't, you know, cool off. So, yeah, I mean, it's hormones, yeah, are a rough thing for women most of our lives. interestingly as well, I've had a nutritionist on the show I've had a couple, and it just seems to me that everybody has a gut, everybody eats food, and because so much happens in the gut, I think everybody should know what's going on with their gut health. Yes, yes, Um, I would agree with that. And I also feel like for women as well, because you can be exhausted just because of a drop in hormones or because of something that's going on in your cycle, if you don't know what's going on, how can you not be hard on yourself? Right, right. Well, we're hard on ourselves just as... Blokes aren't as hard on themselves as women are. We Women uh, blame themselves for a lot of stuff, and we worry. We're just... It's our nature to worry. It's our nature to want to change ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, one of the things... that Maybe this is a good round back to skincare, because that is what we were actually <laughs> talking about at some I point. I think detour is fine. <laughs> well, what's, what's interesting is that, you know, what I always say in my office... Because uh, obviously we have men who work at Paula's Choice Skincare, and um, is that nobody is allowed to make fun of a woman's emotions or a woman's need to be beautiful. That is our genetics. That is our hormones. 
That is who we are as women, and nobody gets to make fun of it, and nobody gets to suggest that we're idiots, except me, for <laughs> wanting that for going down the wrong path and being fooled by marketing. And the other thing is nobody is allowed to, no woman is allowed to apologize for crying during a meeting. That if you get emotional during a meeting, I think it's, and the guys are being unemotional, it's the men who should apologize for not being passionate and emotional about Paula's Choice skincare. No <laughs> woman should apologize for being emotional. It means she's passionate, it means she cares, it, she's bringing the right hormones to the table, and that's what I want. And the blokes have to, oh, I was going to say a very bad word, uh, blokes have to effing shut up nobody gets to give <laughs> women a hard time for being women that's why they're important mm. to me in my company and should never be taken advantage of for it and should never be made fun of and that just that just drives me nuts uh, uh, ugh, ugh. is this at the core of you the skincare that you produce is gives women peace of mind and validates their choices it sounds like the way that you run your company is the same. Is, yes. is that oh, from the girl who had acne and eczema? Oh, it's about not taking advantage of people. Why did people lie to me? Why did people tell me this product would do something that it couldn't do and that the research eventually showed it couldn't do? Mm. Is that, you know, I, I always go back to this truth and beauty thing and that lies are ugly. Mm. And that's, I just... I didn't want people to lie to me. I don't want to lie to... You might not want to hear, and you might not even believe me, and that's just fine. But I'm, I'm not going to change because that's what you do to sell skincare and makeup. I just... Well, actually, I don't mind if people lie about makeup. Who cares? No, no. I mean, I care. But, you know, makeup isn't a game changer. It doesn't, you're not going to, you know, metallic eyeshadow or, well, lip plumpers are, are pretty bad. So maybe I do care about makeup. But um, it's it washes off. It's, it's less problematic than the daily taking care of your skin with bad skincare products. Transitioning into how you went from being an investigative journalist, makeup artist, all these things. What was it that made you... Because turning a passion into a business isn't something well, I, on paper I, is particularly easy to do. Well, I liked... <laughs> I like turning a living. I like paying <laughs> rent. You know, I like going out to dinner. I just... So I needed to support myself. And so I, I always had a bit of an entrepreneur head i i just i could run numbers in my head and balances i wasn't very good at contracts and i i wasn't very good at um uh at uh you know hiring and firing that was never a strong point I, mm. nobody would hire me to be a ceo of a company mm -hmm. i'm not good with you know i know skincare i know cosmetics i know writing i know content mm -hmm. and i believe that and i still believe that women want the information that will take care of their skin. It just might take them a while to find me. So for you personally, did you think, because as we know, it's a gamble to set up a business. It's a, Yeah, of course. So did you, did you go in just not even really having to analyze that decision, just thinking, I know that oh, I've no, got no, this. Oh, no, no, I analyzed, I analyzed it. I, there, uh, so what I always suggest to young people 
or anybody looking to go into business is to always have a backup plan. So you have plan A. Interesting. So you need contingent. I have contingency thinking. Mm -hmm. I always have a backup plan. And so when I started, even when I started my books, I went from being a journalist to writing books and I self-published. I couldn't get a publisher to pick up my books. If there is something that is not a moneymaker, it's books. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, the number of books that are actually successful in the world and so I had a backup plan. I'd go back to journalism or I had, you know, some other skills at the time and I, you know, could manage a publishing company. I knew I knew how to write. I could go back to television. So I always have a backup plan in my mind. And so when I went on to formulate Paula's Choice Skincare, I started very small. I just launched 10 products. Uh, I used the cheapest packaging possible. I didn't quite know about packaging. Well, nobody knew. I don't want but to say sure I didn't know. Jars, really cheap jars, really cheap bottles. Who knew about packaging back in the day? That came much later in the research. So I, the ingredients were expensive, the, definitely the current research. Uh, but yeah, so I, I just always... And then I had plan B in my head and plan C and even <laughs> sometimes plan D. So um, that what people often do is just go with plan A and don't have a backup plan and then they're stuck. And, and the other thing is they don't know when to cut bait. Do you know that saying, when to no, cut bait? No, what does it mean? I like it. So when you're fishing and you get a big <laughs> Paulie, fish... you don't know me very well. <laughs> oh, so no fishing, eh? I'm from the northwest in Seattle. I go salmon fishing. Oh, God, do you? So I do. So when you get too big a uh, fish on the hook and it's running your line out... Sometimes you just got to cut that line or you're going to kill yourself. You're going to lose your reel. You're going to lose your balance and fall in the water and drown. Even though you know there's a massive salmon on the end of it. A big ass salmon that's going to be dinner for a year. Yes. (laughs) And nothing like a big king salmon in the the Northwest. There's, if you haven't been to the Northwest, there's just nothing like it. Um, And if you don't cut bait, it's just dangerous to not just let go of that fish. So that means... You've got to know when you're heading down a path, that's the wrong path, mm-hmm. and say, okay, that looked like a good path, but some people get so beholding mm-hmm. to the path they're on, they don't know when to say, they, they don't, we don't even know when to do it with the guys we're with, more or less, more <laughs> or less business, and they, they don't know how to be flexible. And, mm-hmm. if, and one of the things I loved about being on the internet because uh, uh, Paula's Choice was on the internet in 1995. I started, I was one of the first cosmetic companies um, on the internet. And one of the things I loved about the internet was the flexibility. Right. Because I'm always thinking alternative. People would say to me, so where's your five-year plan? And I go, I don't even know next week. Are you kidding? <laughs> I just, maybe I can go six months out. But, uh, you know, I don't know. That makes me feel better because there are so many, I listen to a lot of, what you might call inspirational podcasts. And there's two things that you said. First of all, they're like, make a five-year plan. Decide where you want to be and go for it. And the other one is, never have a plan B. Plan B is failing. Really? But, I, oh, but, but I'm like you. You can't... Like, first of be- all, first of all, even NASA, the, Nash, the, you know, the American space program, mm-hmm. if you've ever watched any of those movies, there's something called a successful failure. So what is a successful failure? It means 
it didn't go well, something went terribly wrong, but you learned from it to make sure it didn't happen again. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing as failure unless you learn from it, stop going down the failing path, Mm -hmm. and go to this direction that is the successful, because you learn from what Mm -hmm. went wrong. Like, for example, in business, what I often see young people do is taking out too much debt that they can never recover from. And then they spend their rest of their life trying to get out of debt. And so in the beginning, when I started, I said, I'm only going to take out this much debt because this is what I know I can handle and I'm not going to go any further. And then as I see that I'm needing more and more debt, people often just go, oh, well, just a little more debt, a little more. It's Mm -hmm. almost like a junkie going after money. And then I would go, that's a successful failure. Obviously, I'm putting money to something that isn't working. So I'm going to go down this path and see if that works. So you correct, you path correct. Yes, cut bait, try something else, successful failures. There's no plan B because that, 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 that inspiration. That's an honest that, Well, then tell him he's like, well, one of A the jackass. other mistakes he made. Yes, <laughs> life. Oh, God. Yeah, no such, yeah, you need plan. You, I, I, there's times in my head I get up to plan D. So, it, yeah, you need backup plans because flexibility means you're thinking all the time about what's working and what's not working because everything doesn't work. So that's just nonsense. It's bad entrepreneurship. It takes most people down. It takes most people down their inflexibility and not having backup plans. Well, because it's that whole idea of um, if you don't have a winner's attitude and a winner's attitude is there is no failure. But I love the fact that you said, of course there's freaking failure. Actually, that is not a winner's attitude. It's not. So my, my, my husband is a, was a, a tennis player. He's a big tennis fan. And I forget whose book he Is it Andre wrote. Agassi? Uh, Apparently his book is incredible. There's a, so, or maybe it's Yakovic. I forget. I, I'm not as big a fan as he is, although he does drag me to uh, games all over the world. Um, uh, I shouldn't say drag because I actually have learned to enjoy it. But there's the notion that a great tennis player is always playing the next ball. And what that means is, mm-hmm. is you've hit a bad ball. You lost that point. Rather than dwelling on that point, you very quickly think what you did wrong. You don't dwell on it. You correct it. Mm-hmm. And then the next ball comes and you try to do it better. So by the very definition of an athlete... You don't start out being Venus, even Venus Williams and Serena didn't start out being who they were. They failed. They didn't start out at the top of their game. They learned. They grew. Part of being an athlete is improving and knowing not to get hung up on your failures, but to learn from your failures. Whoever said it's about winning lied. The best (laughs) athletes is about learning and not dwelling on the failure. But if you don't pay attention to your failures and correct for them, you will just keep repeating them. There is a saying I keep, there's two sayings I keep in my desk, and they're all, I should get a new one because they're all yellow and shriveled, is uh, if you always do what you've always done, you will always get what you always got. I love that saying. I just... Love that saying. The definition of insanity mm-hmm. is doing what you've always done and think something else is going to happen. Yeah. And the other one is, 
never get in the way of the, wait, oh, I don't want to get it wrong. Hold on. Um, the, people, the people who say it shouldn't be done need to get out of the way of the people who are doing it. I love that one, too. I love that now, those are very motivational, but whatever motivational people you've been talking to, do not have them on again. <laughs> Just very I've been quickly, an entrepreneur for 40 years. I'm, wow, and you're you're doing okay. I'm doing okay. And you've adapted. You have path corrected, not because of any, not because makeup artistry or journalism or anything was a failure, but because you wanted to go on to the next thing. And sometimes it was a failure. Sometimes I opened my own makeup business, and uh, I tried to do that on my own, and it was okay. I I, enjoy, I it, it earned me a living, but I didn't love it. Dealing with women one on one about their beauty was exhausting. It was much easier to write books, and uh, one of my books was not a success. It didn't sell very well, and I learned what it was that I needed to write to make it more successful. So, I, I mean, I definitely have launched products that didn't work very well, or some new research came along, and I had to dump out of that product because the new, you know, I'm not going to keep selling a product where the research says that's not the best product. So, yeah, there were mistakes along the way things that I thought I loved that I ended up not loving um for a while I thought I wanted to be you know like a have my own tv talk show and then I realized oh my god I have to put makeup on every day and deal with you know feedback and directors and just let your friend Oprah do that (laughs) but being a guest on a talk show now that was a trip 40 years as an entrepreneur what if there is anything, what do you tell yourself when you wake up in the morning and you've got a plan and you need to go out and make it happen? Wow. Boy, is that one of the harder questions? Because it, it varies. It varies. There's things about what I do for a living that I hate and then there's things that I do for a living that I love. So then I can jump out of bed and I'm just like, I'm just psyched. If somebody thinks that they, if they're living their best life, they should get up and be loving what they're doing, a hundred percent. Is that inaccurate? Do you think that having That's ridiculous. Some shitty stuff in the mix is exactly what it should be? Who the hell said life was going to be? I mean, well, that's just, the popular Instagram. Oh you know, well, then who mix. are these people? So, what part of? Uh, first of all, the best. In my company, what I always tell people is work needs to be 50-50. 50% fun and 50% sweat. Even exercising to get benefit is, is mostly hard work. Even diet. Mm-hmm. You know, who that? I want that cheesecake. I want those big, luscious honey buns. And <laughs> I'm not talking about a guy. I'm talking about cinnamon, you rolls. Have cinnamon rolls. We <laughs> call them honey buns in the States. So, you know, who, who doesn't? I would rather eat that. I don't want to eat spinach if I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. So the, it's work. Life takes work. And not everything is happy. Not everything is joyous and oh I love what I do and I can't wait I hate paying bills I hate contracts I hate budgets but I gotta do that if I'm going to be successful I think life is working pretty damn good when it's 50 50 and then you get through the 50 that's not so good because then the other 50 percent is going to be wonderful so what I look for is that balance between 
what I love doing to be successful with the parts of being successful that I don't love so much. Like, for goodness sakes, even if you love what you do, even if every day you jump out of bed, you still got to pay bills. You're still going to have people you work with who you think are just shits. (laughs) You're still going to have to deal with traffic. You're still going to, I mean, where does it, where is it written that it's supposed to be passionate and love all the time? You know, I, you know, look at the tortured artists in life. Where was their life easy? I don't, yeah, I don't get it. It's, but that's refreshing because you are a very successful entrepreneur and thank goodness you're saying that, you know, you don't wake up in the morning and it's... Oh, God. But it there depends are crappy the... days. Oh, And there please. are things that you have to deal with that maybe please. you don't want to deal with. Of course, we all do. Who you, what human being doesn't? And this is your passion. And, and this is my passion and I love it. I so do. The overriding feeling is love, but there is... Actually, you know what gets me through... Um, that is really uh, been significant over the years are the women who have thanked me for my work. Um, if I did, people, you know, often say, "Don't you must get tired of people complimenting you and praising you for your work." And I'm thinking, not only don't I get tired of it, if I didn't get that, I would have quit this a long mm-hmm. time ago because it is hard. It's hard to deal with. Uh, the myths in the industry. It's hard to deal with, you know, what I see women doing to their skin. It's the, you know, the misleading information. So, yeah, I, um, yeah, the the feedback from women, you know, as I was saying, telling me, thank you, just gets gets me through those rough mornings where I think this is the last thing I get up and want to do. Well, can I say a massive thank you to you for being on the show? Yes, you can. (laughs) And for being such an incredible guest and for being so generous and open. Thank you, sweetheart. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Emma Gunn Show with Paula Begon from Paula's Choice. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, why not subscribe? Go over to iTunes, click that button so that you never miss another episode. And if you are enjoying it, I'd love you to leave me a five-star rating and a written review. It makes all the difference to a free-to-download podcast like The Emma Gunn Show. If you want to get in touch, it's really simple. Just email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or I also get back to messages on DM, on Twitter and Instagram where my handle is at Emma Guns. Thank you once again. If you have any questions you want to get in touch, please don't hesitate to drop me a line and I will uh, see you on the next one. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. 
Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>